Hello and welcome back to the Reload Podcast. I'm your host Nigel Lamont and with me as usual is Lee Maxwell and Connor McCann. So today we have a very good episode coming up. We're joined by Gavin at Black Line Performance. Um, hello Gavin. Hello Nigel. And if you don't know Black Line Performance, do you want to give a brief description of it? Black Line Performance cater for all your aftermarket performance suspension needs and audio. Um, we have been established now for nearly five years and our current location is just outside Moira. We'll come back to Gavin after we do our usual bits and pieces. See what's um, new with ourselves. Yeah. Um, our previous episode was episode 40. This is episode 41. Previous episode, it was basically a bit of chat about this and that. Eurotreffing. Try not to fall asleep. Bit of news, bit of questions. So this one's going to be a bit of news and then we're going to chat to Gavin for a while. We have no hangovers, no showovers. Well, we're doing well. We're rare like to go. It's about 35 degrees Celsius at the minute. We're in the middle of a heat wave, but we're in a nice luxurious office here at Black Lines, so we're all good. And I haven't mentioned the heat at all all day. No, no. So, yeah, let's crack on. So the first uh, thing is we'll just basically go uh, new with us, basically. So who wants to kick off? Not really an awful lot new with me the last week or two, just uh, spinning about in the Jetta. Having a good time, enjoying myself. Seen some of your Instagram stories and just going, yeah, that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Where, um, where was the lake you took the picture of? That was the sea. Oh, was the sea? It was the one I put up, was it? Uh, it looked like a lake. It looked like it was a it's body of water. Dundrum Inner Bay. We were up at the castle. Ah, right, right. Oh, very good. Yeah, cool. And uh, so we went up to the castle last weekend and uh, then we went out on Sunday and took some photos of the jet over and poured it down. Same place where I did. Do you remember the photos of the Vento? Yeah. Years ago. Yeah, so same place. Now I wanted to recreate the Vento photo that we have on the canvas in the living room and they've built a bike rack like right where the photo was. <laughs> Did they not know you're commonly like Obviously you know? not. So I had to do it the Vento is like facing with the headlights towards the left. So I had to do it facing the other way. So See this is what you need to invest in a battery grinder. Yeah. <laughs> Could have took that out of the road. <laughs> Damn cyclist as usual. Oh yous are terrible. Um, you put like 130, 40 miles on it last weekend, which yeah. is pretty good. And we but came down and out here today, so. Running perfect, all good. Oh, wow. Running like a watch. It runs so nice, like, and it sounds so nice and draws a lot of attention. Yeah. Before we go today, I'll have to get a run in, actually, because I haven't got oh, a run yeah. in. So. Do you remember the, the two old women up at the castle stopped you? Like, two oh, random? they came over and we're chatting away and we're like, oh, it's lovely and all. Oh, they don't make cars like that anymore. What are they, what are they, in the 70s, like, 60s? Or yeah. Maybe in their 60s, maybe. Yeah. Were they were driving a, a Clio, I think it was, like a new shaped Clio. And they're like, it's hard to believe that was a, a family car back in the day. And the yeah. problem is, there's probably as much room as there is in that modern Clio because the doors are paper thin. Oh, yeah. my, my boat was uh, 10 times bigger than theirs. They took their picnic table and stuff out. And I was like, so I had you? picnic table, two chairs, all the stuff. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? <laughs> um, that, that's the thing. Like, I, my wee mark one, I do have, still have one to worry. I love that. Um, of all the cars I've had over the years, seeing you pulling in the filling station and that there. That's the people, one. There's people yeah. already. Well, we were driving back through Newcastle to come home, do you remember? And the guy at the roundabout, like, actually, like, crouched down, pulled his phone out and was videoing me going past. And I was like, I've built some weird and wonderful yeah. cars over the years and no one's ever videoed me going past. Like, <laughs> Lee produces the Jetta. I think it's because it looks like a wee old grander car, I think. But that's, people aren't afraid to come and speak to you. Whereas if you were in a big boy racerish in inverted commas type car people don't really like that do you know what i mean or they think the you're is, a hooligan or something but it's loud and if you're driving about in a civic that loud everybody going look at that dickhead there you know and then lee comes along <laughs> they're like oh look at this this is delightful 
Um, what else? You were bridging the gap in the car community as well. The Subarus appreciate that. <gasps> yeah, when we were coming back through Bad Bridge, we stopped at the petrol station to get ice cream, and there was a guy in a Subaru and a guy in a GT4. Yeah. And uh, I assumed they were together, but it turns out they weren't. But uh, then that's, the guy in the Subaru. Yeah, like the round see, headlights. Don't see many of them anymore. It was lovely. It was really cool. And then the guy in the Subaru was doing a few wee revs on the forecourt. So I did a few wee revs just to answer him back. And then when he was leaving, he gave me the beep and the wave. And I was like, I'm accepted in the Jap community. <laughs> Sup on your ice cream. Mm-hmm. Drinking the ice cream, basically. Saying the transatlantic treaty. I like the Atlantic like, is Pacific, is it? Something I don't know. No, well, German. Global. No, we'll I've, I've completely balls that up. Sorry. I love a grand. <laughs> um, what else was there? Yeah, I'd also like to point out the fact that I called you a hypocrite. A lot of the his listeners called you a hypocrite yes. today. Gavin, Gavin called you pointed hypocrite. it out when we arrived today. You will that notice that Lee was driving last weekend, but Lee only drives the fun cars at the weekend. It turns out, yeah, I don't right. drive at the weekends except the Jetta. Yeah, there's a caveat to that. Forty episodes you've been saying that, and then you break it for the Jetta. Yeah, Rules I only drive the fun cars at the weekend. Rules are there to be broken. I don't drive the boring cars. If I don't know that, I wouldn't have entered into that agreement. <laughs> what have you been up to, Nigel? Um, car wise. My own cars, I've been doing a zero. I've been kind of busy with work and different things, but one of the main things is in the background, I think we launched it, the entry system for Jim Cannon Grid just before we recorded last week, or just after we recorded last week. Yeah, I don't think we said too much about it, just yeah. on the DL. Um, Monster approached us actually last year, and they were looking to do it alongside Dubshed, but, you know, hashtag COVID and all that. Um, yep. But they came back to us again this year. Looking to run the event, so it's a standalone event. And if you just look up Jim, Jim Canna Grid, it's a timed event around a circuit. And it's, it's a monster event. They have rounds all around the world. And then there's a final, which could be in America. Could not, maybe. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, it's essentially auto testing for Yeah, it's, it's for auto kids, testing. It? Like, and there's two classes, there's all wheel drive, there's two wheel drive. It's the 31st of July and 1st of August at the Icon. Saturday will be like a scrutineer and stroke practice day. Sunday will be the final. It's no spectators just because COVID restrictions are that late and being able to get that in place in time for the end of July is just turning into a nightmare. That's everything that's going on. Yeah, the, the prize up for grabs, the, well, basically, if you win one of the rounds at the end uh, at Jim Canna Grid, at uh, the icon you'll basically be flown with your car well your car will be shipped sorry you'll be flown out to the final with another person you'll be put up for a week and then the grand final winner of that there will basically get a prize the value i think it's ten thousand euro something like that very nice but the main thing about it is getting your car flown out or shipped out there and you'll be racing up against block solberg people like that there that's ah, a top event like it's you know, just it's gonna be a good opportunity for people so um the entries are coming in thick and fast. We'll need a few more oil drive entries. So if you know anybody, give them a nudge. It's completely free to enter. Monster are setting the whole thing up. Um, so There's a lot of high-powered rear-wheel drive stuff in this country too. Everybody likes their rear-wheel yeah. drive jobs. There's stuff. a lot of drift entries at the moment, actually. So That's what I was wondering. I was actually thinking about it this morning in the shower. I was like, I wonder if like a lot of the you know, like UDC, IDC type guys all yeah, under. Yeah, there's a few IDC good. boys in. So Excellent. So, That'll be fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. We'll report on it as well from the event, I would say. Aye. We'll maybe do a podcast from it, because that weekend we're meant to be recording. We are, yeah. We were talking about it coming down the road. I was like, logistically, this is going to be fun. But no, I don't want to miss that. No. Um, myself then, I with this heat, I haven't done very much. I ordered a whole ball of bits for the Bora from Autodoc. 
it took its usual like 10 days even though i know it takes like a week week and a half to two weeks to arrive it was still given off it was taking so long and then when it finally did arrive with this heat i have done nothing and i was like yep yeah, i'm not touching the bora i can't i can barely breathe in this heat never mind the actual like functioning on it i actually went to fit front brakes and my wife's a4 one day and i just Nope. started to melt and just went no yeah well i, I need a shade to do this <laughs> sorry laura you can crash <laughs> what, what i should have done was let you guys interview gavin here and i could have slipped out and slipped the bore onto the ramp and worked away <laughs> <laughs> although i don't think an interview would need to take about three days i would say um order bits for lee's jetta the we talked before about the revlon were being set and we didn't know what it was actually set at so we ordered the lead and software and stuff for the ecu so i'll finally get around to plugging that in seeing what it's set at what, what ecu is that run it's a kai i think it's ems can or can ems or something okay. um it's actually they do like an ignition only setup and then they do a full injection setup that one is a full injection setup but it's like the injection side of it turned off so it's pretty handy to have it'll do for some other project because i have a few ignition only ones as well could get slipped in at some point but it seems yeah, to be doing it's fine a, i don't care yeah it seems to be doing a good uh a good job because like ignition side of things is perfect on it it works really well i just like to see what the tables are doing and what the rev limiter set up because it seems abnormally high it seems honda high it is high yeah i've only had it once or twice it's fun it pops and bangs and farts and <laughs> wow. does crazy stuff we took a few photos, as Lee said, as well, last weekend of the Jetta. Um, I used to take loads of photos, and now I don't really very much. I do like photos once a year. I think I'd done the photos of Matt's car, the Black Mark II, um, two years ago. It was the first time I'd done anything in a year. I didn't watermark them. It's the first photos I haven't watermarked in like 10 years, and they went completely viral. Yeah. And I still see them come up, and I was like, well, that was smart. Um, I think I'd done yours. I think Gethin's actually looking to do a few of his Golf R as well, so... It'd be nice to do something a bit different like that. Something car related that doesn't involve me cursing and swearing, which would be nice and sweating all over everything. It's uh, and Gavin, I'd like to actually I'd actually like to talk to you about stuff you've been doing lately, but we'll leave that later on. You've been doing some fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, not exactly the normal car related stuff, we should say. But no, we'll we'll leave that for later on. Um we'll kick into the news then. Yeah, I'll start by basically a story from America. The, we've been talking about the RPM Act, the EPA, carry on, all the rest of it. Um, things have stepped up in California. So they have in the California state the smog test, which is an annual thing. Yep. So it's been announced that if you live in California and run an aftermarket tune in your car, you might want to think about flashing your ECU back to stock before heading out for your biennial. Biennial? That's every two years, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, every two years you get checked in, sorry. So starting July 19th, uh, testing stations will begin to check whether cars are running OEM or Californian Air Resource Board approved tunes. If your car isn't, it will fail the test. That's fine if you're running something like, say, a Mark 7, Mark 8 with a flash on it. But if you've done injectors and bits and pieces like that, you know, well, Gavin, you could probably speak more on that. You know, if you had that state of tune that you need a bigger injectors bigger turbo is it a case could that all run on the standard map or is it a car dependent you know is that going to be an issue for them i think even from what they're saying is even with a simple stage one tune without any hardware changes that they're it's going to fail they're going to pick up on it and fail so i don't know how they're doing that because the basic one that you would look at is a flash counter uh-huh. to see has the software changed but even if it's been back to the dealership uh-huh. it can have it done so if they do an update of the dealership, it'll still show it'll it as still being changed. So the software's changed now. It is obviously still a factory one, factory stuff. But how they're going to pick up the differences, I don't know. Because even we had uh, 
customer in a couple of weeks ago in uh, one of the new shape BMW X5s came back and said that car doesn't feel as fast as it used to mm-hmm. and right enough with the new technology that's in it linked to his phone he got into the car one morning and it asked for an update and his son was in the front seat and just hit update uh-huh. five minutes later then it had finished and he, away he went and while connected to his phone bmw flashed the engine ecu with their latest software and cleared his map off it what so it's like the Tesla do the over there updates, but they're using your phone as the internet source, essentially. Yep. And this is on all the latest BMWs. So he's like, well, how do I overcome this? And he says, stop connecting your phone to the car. That's mental. But at the same time, it, it's the same thing. If you if you took the car in for service. They'll still do it too. If they still saw it, they'll still do it, which does happen. Mm-hmm. And you can request if you go in and you know it's tuned and you're not bothered about warranty and the rest of it. You can say to them. I don't want any software updates. Now, they'll still do updates and other modules within the car, of comfort modules and things, but... They'll not touch... The, they'll not touch the engine software then, generally. But this happened totally wirelessly without That's anything. weird. It is, a, like, for your average person, that's probably a great convenience thing, you know, yeah. but on our side of things with tuning, you know, that's not what you want, and it's... You, you put your conspiracy hat on and think, oh, it's an overreach and bits and pieces like that. But it's probably aimed just at your average punter who doesn't want to have to go into BMW to do that. And it's just absolute convenience. Yeah. My wife sold Leon. It was a 16 TDI. Uh-huh. And because of the whole Dieselgate thing, they brought all the cars in for the, That's the, right the reflash. The car was dead after that. I made a big difference to it. Oh, they said, oh, no horsepower will be changed. No, the car was absolutely pathetic after that. Or hid the car ever since. Something has to change, you know, that's when they're doing it. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the most, or a popular thing that we would do, is that emissions fix, especially on the 1.6s, killed EGR valves. Yeah. Right, okay. So for the first couple of months, um, VW are like, no, 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 this is nothing to do with the yeah. emissions fix. And then quite clearly it was. Well, and they then started offering extended warranty to fix EGR valves for cars that had the emissions fix. And... The easiest and simplest thing to do was revert them back. But now taking EGR valves out of 1.6 engines for local dealers and traders and stuff is week in, week out. Uh, it's the bread and butter kind of thing. Because they're all failing and the easiest and simplest thing to do is just turn it off rather than spend hundreds of pounds and trying to fix it. And the worry about what's happening in the States there with the EPA attacking that is that it, it crosses the Atlantic to here oh, you know. it's, it's trickle down yeah. trickle it's, down effect it's sure it happens in the states moves across it's happened down south yeah, that's what I was just about to bring up well that was yeah about them plugging in for the, yep. their NCT I think we mentioned that last week didn't we yeah I, I, we mentioned it and then I seen I think it was on Autostad's Facebook page those guys saying oh you know they're just plugging it in it's not going to happen and blah everybody's all paranoid about it and I was like well why are they doing it you know of course once they do it and see that that works it's like a soft introduction they'll add more yeah. and more to it it's just so <clears> easy to do and it's, it's scaremongering as well yeah they want to get it out there and they want to have people terrified thinking I can't do that anymore because they're going to find it yeah they put you off doing it in the first place but at the same time I don't know how they're going to find it because you'd need to take that in read the software off and then see has it been altered? Have the deleted um, DTCP codes out of it? Have what? What have they done to that? To it could also go with the route as well. There's some states. I think New York is like this. I'm sure somebody will correct me on it, but I think OBD one cars can run standalone. But if it's an OBD two onward car, like '96 kind of thing, you can't run standalone on it, and you can't run 
engines which are older than a car you know what originally came in it and stuff so they're like really really restrictive so they could end up doing things like that too i think yeah. belgium's like that too you're not allowed to do a lot of tuning work or engine swaps france and belgium yeah because back in the day max power any european cars you know belgium france body kits were a big big thing because you cannot touch the engine yeah, in inside of it yeah uh, it might not be fast but let's make it look fast ah. yeah yeah i'd work with what you have kind of thing yeah yeah, it's a pity, but that's it is a worry. And I see a lot of the guys in the states are really pushing that RPM act and to try and sign for it. But you know yourself, like if they really want, it, they'll put it through. It doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, so. how do you? Yep. Um, my first one, I've been uh, hitting the books for this. So I'll start off just saying the Golf R wagon, the Mark Eight is out. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Golf R guy, as will the Mark Eight anyway. The estate is so much nicer. And the the front end is the same pretty much, but the back end is working nicer because I've moved the number plate up onto the boot lid. So the, the Mark 8, this is pretty much, it looks like a flush boot lid. You'd have done back in the Max Power days, like in the early 2000s, and I didn't really like it. And they've moved it up onto the boot lid now, and it looks so much better. It looks like it should have been all along. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any in person. I don't know actually when they're out, but it's just it's the usual spec, 320 horsepower, um, 41K starting which sort of leads me into the next part, which is the US release of the Golf R and Golf GTI. Um, they get a wagon, do they? No. Yes. I don't know. There's been nothing offered yet. Um, but they're, the hatches are out and the GTI is out. The Golf R in the States is coming in one option only, so it's they're calling it like a high-end option. The only thing you can pick between is DSG or manual. It's starting at $44,000, which works out at thirty, just under thirty two grand. Ours, I then sort of went, well, what are we paying for them? Spec'd up like a mid-spec one, Lapis Blue 19s. Try to match what they're getting with their high-end spec. And it was £42,000. So it's over ten grand more we're paying for it than what they're getting at. And I couldn't work out if they have the Akropovich exhaust on it. But if it's not, or if they have it and we don't, that's an extra three grand. Leather, two and a half grand. The drift mode. Um, which is like the R performance pack is another 2k on top of that as well so you could spec that up to nearly 50 grand and they're getting that car for the equivalent of 32 usual rip off Britain oh yeah but like I'm sure you've heard in the revival motor and I'm talking about the price of the M2s M3s yeah. like they're so much cheaper over there and that's why you, you go to shows over there you see shows over there and everything's like the newest stuff you know and it's all modified and like they're probably building a car like a, a quote unquote show car wheels are you know a bit of tuning work for the price of what you would pay for new here that's so sickening and then in the states the other th- weird thing this has been like this for years though they kind of distinguish the difference between a golf and a gti so we would say technically a gti is a trim level here you know it's a bigger engine you know all the mod cons and stuff but it's not a separate car they look at it as a separate model so they've actually done away with the golf in america and you can only get the gti or the r now right yeah but they've it's it's a weird setup they've done now so where we buy a gti i think here you can get is it a gti and then the gti is it the plus or the performance pack which is ipp yeah slightly bigger brakes you know Club um they actually have three standards of gti so they've essentially just renamed the golf the gti because you have a gti s and they call it a rabbit they? they don't even have a rabbit option in this yeah. so they have a gti s a gti se and a gti autobahn edition their base model gti comes in at the equivalent it's 30 30 which is 22 grand for a gti oh. would you not second you so it would. yeah um 
Again, ours are starting from 34 grand. So it's just, it's so sickening. But then swings and roundabouts, like, to live in America, you've ridiculous medical fees so yeah and we don't have school shootings you have to be a trade-off somewhere like although we don't have kids you know so give me the cheap gti's <laughs> <laughs> just keep a glock in your backpack that's it oh it'd be great don't get me started on guns um but it was interesting i kind of when they did release the figures for it i seen it and wonder what the equivalent ours for is and then revival had talked about it as well and the more i looked at it the more i sort of got down a rabbit hole into it and specking it online you can do some like the spec on the cars is really really nice but for the money like i've talked about it before those the i30ns you know even the, the civic type r and things like that there's a lot of competition you you really want to have to own the volkswagen that's my opinion of it like yeah. you have had one in recently if you don't want to say much about it but we've uh, just finished putting uh an abp air suspension kit into a 1,000 kilometer Mark 8 GTI. That's impressive. <laughs> Have you seen many on the road other than that? I've seen the Mark 8s. I don't, can't recall even seeing one of the GTIs yet. Yeah, other like than sitting outside the, the, dealerships. the dealerships. I've seen a couple of hours, but I haven't seen a GTI. I think I've seen one or two hours locally, but they haven't been a, a massive seller from what I've seen anyway. There's no good finance deals yet. Ah, uh, that's why. Do you remember when they released the Mark 7R and yeah. the finance deals? Was it like... 200 quid plus fat two or something. Fat. And a nine, they were cheaper and a, than the GTI, weren't they? Yeah. On the finance. There was a deal in RMS came through. I think they have a section in RMS form where they do... For golf hours? No, <laughs> the lease deal section or there's some sort of thing. There's a thread about it, yeah. And there was a company in Wheels or something and they were doing Mark 7 GTIs at 189 plus fat a month. The funny I, know, thing was, I know two fellas locally that jumped went on that deal. Like, you know. and the funny thing is, like the Mark Six G or the Mark Six R was it like six hundred or six hundred and sixty six of them they sold in the UK, and they probably sold that in the first week for Mark Seven Rs when they done those lease deals. Yeah. Which Andy Maxwell, he was out uh, in Australia a few years ago, and he says every second golf he's seen was an R. Then your fuel cost and all too makes a big difference for running. It's great. Mm-hmm. We need to move countries, definitely. <laughs> You Uh Speaking of Australia, a brochure error is set to cost Ford Australia around two point four million dollars. That's about one point three million pounds. The grammar Nazis will be cheering. The twenty twenty one Mustang Mach E was advertised with equipment that either wasn't available on the car in Australia or not offered anywhere. Uh, so the missing stuff uh, that Ford had promised included a Torsen Torsen limited slip diff rear parking sensors, and adaptive cruise control. So the quote from uh, Ford says, uniquely engineered parts, which are designed to improve downforce and cooling on the Mach 1, unfortunately mean that the vehicle does not feature adaptive cruise control or audible rear sensors, uh, to try and explain why it was in the brochure, but you can't actually have them. (laughs) That's a strange one. So, wonder who, who proofed that. Oh, yeah. Obviously, they've had a lot of complaints. So, their initial solution was to offer the first 450 Mach 1 buyers in Australia uh, three years free servicing plus a Ford performance track day. And not surprisingly, a lot of people told them to shove it up their ass. Oh, well, you're not going to do a track day with your torsion diff, are you? Like? I was going to say, you'll take the track day and they just void your warranty for you. Oh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the plan. I like so, that. So uh, they've now changed their offer, making this mishap their most expensive ever. Those who have ordered a Mac 1 prior to the correction will be offered a $5,400, that's about three grand in our money, rebate. 
And if that's not good enough, a full refund of your purchase price or deposit if you decide you don't want it anymore. If for whatever reason you decide that you take up the servicing and track day, which is only worth about a quarter of the cashback option, you can still do that. (laughs) Why? I don't know. And then anybody who orders them after that is offered a kind of screen down something as an incentive to buy them now that you know about the problem. So yeah, that's a bit shit. Don't tell lies is what you're saying. I wonder how many people get sacked over the height of that. Oh, somebody will get scapegoated, obviously, like. Probably not the person who caused it to be fair. But if that was the government, nobody would get fired. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's for another podcast though. We'll start running those later. We'll have a Patreon uh, conspiracy podcast. <laughs> we we'll have to go into the basement for that one. So my next bit of news then is Stellantis, who are the strange conglomerate who own Peugeot, Fiat, Maserati, Jeep, Alpha, Dodds, Vauxhall, Opel, Chrysler, Citroen, and Lancia. It's just a weird mix of the also rounds. Yeah, pretty much. Like who's not doing well? We'll buy them up. <laughs> Um, so in honor of their own self-appointed EV day, so there is an EV day in September, like a global EV day. No, Slanders went and made their own just to be different. They released a new slogan for each of their brands. Did any of you see these? No. These are cringy, as you can imagine. Fire them out. So Jeep, zero emission freedom. You can hear the electric bald eagles screaming with that one. Um, Vauxhall, green is the new cool. That's just like, you know the anti-drug ceremonies you got in school? It's like, kids, don't do drugs. Drugs are for mugs. You know, that's pretty much whoever wrote that. Citroen have went all futuristic fucking demolition man utopia. Citroen Electric, well-being for all. Praise the leader. Whether you want it or not. Whether you want it or not, you're getting it. <laughs> um, Conform. <laughs> the Abarth brand, which is the performance side of uh, Fade. Yeah. Um, heating, up, heating up people, not the planet. These are just <sighs> really bad. It's like some oil boy. That's one of them uh, heating hatches, isn't it? Yes. Not the hot hatches. Lancia have just went full lies. So Lancia have went the most elegant way to protect the planet. So I don't know about you guys, but Lancia haven't really built elegant cars. And the only one they do is, I think it's pronounced an Epsilon, which looks like an egg on four wheels. And it's far from elegant. It's, do you ever see the Aston Martin, what's the Aston Martin hatchback they've done? Um, Is it a Signet? I was it not a teeny t- one? Toyota in disguise. Yes, yeah. it looks like a Wish version of that. It looks <laughs> like a Chinese ripoff of it. It is not elegant. Um, and then finally, Dodge had tear up the streets, not the planet. So from a company who shoves seven, eight, nine hundred horsepower V8s into anything that moves, I would have thought Dodge's slogan would have been "fuck the environment." But no, it's tear up the streets, not the planet. Hmm. Where do you go with that? Like, you know. As Donkey would say, soft hers. Soft hers. Would you ever, like, as an enthusiast, do you ever look at that and go, well, that's me turned on now, I'm buying one of them. And Dodds are going, no, we're not selling electric cars, we're selling e-muscle cars. That's what they're branding them as. Nothing like creating your own brand. They'll be like, oh, we're the number one seller of e-muscle cars, when nobody else does them. Yeah. That's But I don't know how Dodds are standing over that, because um, Ford have brought out this fully electric pickup. Yes. And all these other... Ones are all doing all these electric or hybrid things, and Dodge are like, "No, let's nah. let's let's stick the Hemi engine into a station wagon." Yep, which that, I'm totally okay with. Yeah, <laughs> I, re- I still I th- reckon the CEO is banging lines of coke before he makes decisions. Like, I, I think the CEOs from Texas. Oh, 100 percent. These bullhorns in the yoke. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, Did you see the? And you see the. Pumas and Puma pants. Puma pants <laughs> and Mackies and stuff going up the hill at Goodwood. Yeah. Yeah. Snore. 
Snorefest. <laughs> Snorefest. There was even one that they tried to make look all interesting because it was all like mirror flip wrap and bits sticking Here, out of it. It still is, looked fucking this is, ridiculous. This is boring as shit. Let's cover it in glitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, roll the tart and shit. Or in glitter. Um, there was, like a glittery potato. I talked to us a deep one. I talked about um, Weston Champlin, who's a YouTuber. Before, long time ago, he basically took a one of like the 2015 Mustangs, stuck like a 12-valve Cummins turbo diesel engine in it. And he's started into is the Roadkill Night series, where they do like the racing against each other. And Dodds have given him a Hellcat and have said, there's 10 grand, do what you want, you're going to race these guys. So like Dodds are like, yeah, there you go, you know, do big smoky burnouts you know and then they're having to tow the party line with what is it tear up the streets not the planet so yeah it's obvious like the party line is we're going green and dodge are still like yeah give that youtuber that thing let him spend 10 grand on it and do smoky burnouts you know he, he took it straight off the trailer and done a burnout while the trailer was still there didn't dodge give richard rollings at gas monkey a hellcat the modifier or something i was it them? didn't see that no i don't know they and could it, well have because they're supposed to be destroyed or something. There was a, some prototypes or something for like a maybe, promo type thing, was it? Yeah, they're all into like a SEMA build or something. But they just sort of went, there. You go. Dodds really don't care. Like you know, they're just yeah. doing their thing. This is the last hurrah before everybody's forced into the electric utopia. Yeah. So why not? I support it. Stick bullhorns and everything. Correct. <laughs> um, one last story then is basically what has been announced in the last twenty four hours or forty eight hours is the new F one car for twenty twenty two. You were um, talking about this morning, yeah. Is this being implemented? I don't know, but uh, they've launched the new car that has been developed by the F1, and basically, it's 2022 regulations originally slated to arrive, slated, 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 slated to arrive in 2021, but delayed by COVID 19. Had one guiding principle to allow closer racing with the potential for more overtakes, a happy but secondary benefit. Um, but the 2022 car has been developed by Formula One's in-house motorsports team in collaboration with the FAA and put in a heavy onus on the aerodynamic phenomenon known as ground effect. Reduces those figures to 4% at 20 metres, rising just 18% at 10 metres. So some features include simple front wings over wheel winglets, uh, wheel covers the back, bigger 18 inches and low profile. They've been watching Fast and Furious or something. Does this mean that they're not going to be uh, open wheel racing then, essentially, if they're going to be closed in? This is the thing, and I can't get any clarity on Is this being forced on all the manufacturers? Have I had a stroke and missed something? Probably. Yeah. Monster has a lot to answer for. Uh, New rear wing with rolled tips, and then the E10 biofuel engine, the 1.6 turbo. Is this like NASCAR where F1 go, there's your chassis? You have to put a power plant into it. Develop it or whatever. Um... Or have they just released that as this is the new regulations? This is roughly what it will look like on yeah. those regulations. You can still tweak your wings and whatever else. Like I've been dipping out of F1 the last while, and I must say I must have a stroke. But I uh, look at it on the websites. I don't know if it's clear or not whether this is going to be the car that is going to be used. It's getting very regulated. Um, I think most motorsports are kind of going that way, which is a pity to see because obviously, yeah, you you, know, you want to keep it competitive racing, but at the same time, you want like. The reason they're racing is to develop, you know, it's chassis development, engine development, and that trickles down into your road technology. But it, it's all right saying, yeah, let, let, let's make it fairer and let's make it more competitive. But at the end of the day, Red Bull, Ferrari, um, McLaren, or not McLaren, uh, Mercedes, they have bags of money. Oh, so yeah. it's going to be the guy with the most money, usually, okay. that's going to be able to develop the car. 
So you can say there's a chassis, but two years down the line, they're still going to be doing laps down the boy that's run the 10th. It does always seem that way, like, isn't it? Yeah. Or most of the time, anyway. So it'll be interesting to see what way it develops. I would like to be more informed, but, you know, hey. It'll probably I'm release more <laughs> closer to it as well. You know, they'll release more as it comes along. That's for 2022. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure some of our listeners around F1 can clarify more on that there, but um, yeah. it sort of popped this week, up, up this week in the news and sort of caught me by surprise. Whether this is being implemented or yeah, actually, it's guidelines. I can think of one or two people there. Maybe actually be able to give us a bit more info on that. I'll, yep. I'll look into that for it and see. So that's the news for this week. I have one more. Oh, sorry. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> one more that's actually two rolled into one because it's exciting news. Uh, new Legos. The first one is a VW T2 camper van. So most of you will have seen the, split the red split screen one. They're now offering a T2 van, which is blue, has a pop-up roof, uh, 2,207 pieces. Um, it's part of the creator range, so it's aimed at like 16, 18 plus, so it's for adults, really. Um, it's super intricate, like it's got all little cabinets and things inside that'll all open, and there's even little cups and things, little Lego cups that'll go inside the cabinets and stuff. Um, that's going to be released on the 1st of August. I could take a week off work and build that. That'd be good. <laughs> and How long would it take if you were to sit down, hours-wise? I, I, I genuinely don't, don't know. know. I really don't know. Um, the second one, which is going to be released, this was, I think, dropped accidentally, leaked, because um, it's not out till the 1st of October. But it's a 1,677-piece vintage pickup truck. Looks like an old American... Meter? Like, yeah, like an F100 type thing, you know. Like, oh, it's meter. <laughs> yeah. Um, with different um, accessories for all seasons. So it's designed like a little farm truck, and it comes with a wheelbarrow, um, little pots of vegetables. There's a wee holly wreath for Christmas. Yeah, but it looks super cute as well. So guess what I'll be buying? I was going to say, Lee's <laughs> Christmas sorted. So Lee's on the... What is it, the... Lego buyers list or whatever, like the yeah, like the VIP list. So she gets first pick on stuff like they offered, and stuff just arrives. I don't have to buy anything. Do you get great. saluted when you go into a Lego store then, or is that the advantage <laughs> of it? It's we have a lot of Lego. It's, yeah. Do you have any Lego? Are you into Lego, Gavin? Yeah, about twenty years ago. <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> never grew up, kids. It's a trap. No, I still have, and I have the the T one camper yeah. and the Porsche. And they sit on a shelf in the living room and don't get appreciated. So I think I'm just going to take them down here and stick them in the office and I tidy put it up a bit. piece out of them, kind of thing. Somebody will appreciate them more than my kids do. I, I like the building of them. Once they're done, you display them. Yeah, but yeah. it's the building. And I get real OCD about lining up all the Lego, the logos and the direction stuff. And yeah. Then when you can't actually, because it only fits a certain way, it really bugs the and shit out of me. Time taken to put the stickers onto the brick and have it absolutely perfect centered. Yeah. yeah. See, that's my problem. I Lee struggles. Yeah. I don't. I don't have the. Tweezers are your friend. <laughs> Go with tweezers. Do you lay out the parts in lines then before you assemble? Like, I get frustrated because I don't know whether to lay them out in color or by like shape. And it really annoys me. I nearly need to do two builds and go color and shape. Just makes me think of IKEA furniture. Like when I get IKEA furniture, I always open to the second page where it has the list of well, the parts and yeah. the numbers. So I have an area I have an area where I set them out. So there's eight of them. There's six of them. There's yep. eight of them. Six of them. See people that don't do that. They're freaks. I wonder what, what goes on in their life. <laughs> it's just absolute chaos. Chaos. Yep. Chaos and disorder. You don't want that in your life. No. Um. Nigel, you on YouTube? 
Not really. Uh, busy couple of weeks. But what I have been watching this week when I get time is basically the uh, Goodwood YouTube channel. That's what I have too, yeah. Uh, it's just been fantastic. The shootout? Do you watch it, Gavin? I'd seen some of it. I'd watched some of the highlights of some stuff. impressive stuff from yeah. it. Rob from Studio 10 was over at it and uh, he kept sending me pictures and stuff and I'm definitely going to go next year. Yeah, that looks fantastic. Go. Followed his Instagram story the whole weekend yeah. and it's just some of the stuff's unreal. And you'd, I'd, I'd nearly think sometimes of those things you appreciate it more seeing it in a picture than you do standing in front of it. Yeah. It's like you go to shows and you're walking around looking at cars and like, oh, that's, 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 that's nice. cool. When there's lots of really cool stuff and then you see a picture of something after the show and you think i didn't even notice that that's dog shed for me you've walked past it and you haven't even appreciated it yeah i I think it would it's overload yeah i think i would bypass going classic just to go to that because they're very close together so i would only go to one of them but i think i would probably next year do that but from what robin he's been i think he's been there twice in three years yeah uh, it's the access into the pet areas and stuff, and there's celebrities and car guys walking about. That's what I enjoyed it's about Knock access. Hill. We went to the touring cars at Knock Hill because it's so such an old circuit, and there's not much room at it. You can just walk up to the guys working in the cars and ask them about it and chat away. Where the likes of Silverstone, it's a bit more closed off. Yeah, so that that sounds good for um, Goodwood. I think the only thing about if you were going to go and watch the shootout or something, it's that problem of road racing where. You pick a spot to stand, and they come past you, and they go, Vroom. Aye, and, it's yeah. gone. and you see them for like two seconds, and then that's it, and then you wait for the next one, and it goes, we- Well, one thing you couldn't say was boring over the weekend was the drifter runs, and one in particular, James Dean, and James Dean's James Dean, but Kevin Quinn. Yeah. Oh, jeepers. That man was heading for a wall. Did you notice the commentators know nothing about drifting? Well, I'm not Becky Evans. I don't know, but whoever was doing it. I thought she'd oh, done the commentary. I know who you mean, she's, yeah. She's well, the two, it was two guys was doing it, and you could tell the they knew wasn't nothing there, about drifting. You know, it was like, it was like watching or listening to your mum commentate on it. Like, oh, the cars were are sliding. Were they very well sideways. spoken, were they? Yeah, they were. Um, they could tell you anything about any 80s Ferrari. Oh, 100%. But nothing about anything. Probably tell you the torque bolts. Oh, are, those cars are very nosy, aren't they? Yeah. Right. Oh, and the, the cars, they, they seem to sustain a lot of damage and stuff. And you're like, yeah, it's a drift car. It hits the wall. That's <laughs> what it's supposed to do. Um, I, I follow back Evans. You know, she's going out with uh, James Dean. And I thought she mentioned she was... Con- she must have been commentating on the Goodwood channel. Unless she was doing different... Because there was other commentators down in the pits and stuff like that as well. With somebody else or something. The highlight for me, though, the HKS GTR R32 oh. Skyline. My God, I grew up watching that thing, you know, and you've seen it, and it was just full of the pipe the whole way, and you're just like, ah, that thing's worth an absolute fortune. And it's the same with all the cars. Like, a lot of the cars is, like, totally irreplaceable, and they're just giving her 10 tenths the whole way up. Um, Nick Swift in the Mini, did you see it run? The 1275 GT Mini. Uh, he was just on three wheels the whole way up. I've never seen a Mini move like it, and was beating stuff like ex-Formula 1 cars and stuff up the hill. Just like that thing is incredible. This guy was just boot to the board the whole way and keep steering. And new way the minis like they're those rubber cones for springs. You could see it just bouncing around corners and just absolutely impressive. The Camaro that experienced uh, rapid unscheduled disassembly. Yeah, it's uh, what do you do when you hit a bale or oh, just disintegrate? That seems to be the way to do it. Build quality. What did you say last night? You know that quote from Blackadder. Where it says, what happens if you step on a landmine? And he's like, oh, well, the general procedure is to launch yourself 30 feet in the air and scatter over a wide area. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to this guy. Um, 
and again one of the highlights for me was the nest cafe Renault laguna btcc car oh yeah. the green that one. was cool yeah and I, like of all the impressive stuff that's there and stuff that's worth 10 times that that's what i want to see it's like the old touring cars and things you kind of grew up idolizing you're going well that's still out there doing its thing and it might get a run out once a year but it's cool to see it travis pastrami done a really good run in the subaru didn't he oh yes the sandwich man himself yeah um so good are you laughing at um that man doesn't blink see if you watch it back the whole he's just like stern the man's on drugs but the thing about him is too the afterwards and i was saying this to stefan last night i think it was when we were watching the highlights he always seems really appreciative to be where he is he's not going i'm great and i'm doing this yeah he's just he's there and he's like oh i'm so delighted to be here and had fun and like he comes second and there was a very little time difference in it we can't talk about goodwood without talking about the bm that crashed alpine Oh Up yeah! Dinosaur. Oh yeah! He's yeah. made some sort of excuse about there's a chicane that was there yesterday that wasn't there or something. Or they mm. moved or something. His eyes weren't working. Is that what uh, it was? I think he just pulls it up. Good advertising for them either way, though. Still get the eyes in the car. Yeah, that's true. That's the way I would look at it. No well, such thing as bad Max advertising. Said, oh, publicity is good publicity. Yep. Apart from when you're getting done for playing with kids. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which he was. <laughs> um, yeah, that's me for YouTube though. Before we go into our interview with Gavin, I'd just like to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Studio 10 Bespoke Car Care. Studio 10 are a car care business located in Ballymena, Northern Ireland. Robin specialises in vehicle detailing, paintwork correction and ceramic coatings. Studio 10 are the only Mavinci approved detailer based in Northern Ireland and are proud to have many years experience in the automotive industry. They also offer an online training programme, Foundation Pro. This program is designed for those who want to improve their current skill set, whether that be to detail their own vehicle to a much higher level or considering starting their own valentine business. The course also offers many other benefits such as discount codes for various detailing companies and much more. To view all their detailing packages, training course and obtain details on all the other services they provide, visit their website at studio10car.care or simply Google Studio 10. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at Studio 10 Detailing. While Studio 10's own discount code has expired for the training course, it's been extended for Reload Podcast listeners. Use the code RELOADPODCAST at the checkout to get £100 off the online course. This episode is also brought to you by Rito Global. Rito Global are an enthusiast-owned company providing you with not only premium automotive apparel, but accessories such as garage banners, posters, stickers and air fresheners. They're Northern Ireland-based and are an official stockist for 8380 Labs in the UK and Europe. Pop on over to Reload.Global and view their online store and see what's right for you. So it's that time, folks, where we get into our main topic. And of course, we're sitting down with Gavin from Blackline Performance. So Gavin, thanks for joining us. You're usually on the listening side of things as opposed to the speaking side of things with this podcast. Yes, it normally takes me about three or four days because the drive to work is only about 10 minutes. Ah, uh, yeah, you have the same problem as I have. Yeah. Blasting podcasts for five minutes and trying to remember what they said. Um, so for those of you who don't know you, you've already said you own Blackline Performance, specialized performance work, tuning, suspension work, remapping, like a raft of other things, which we'll get into mm-hmm. as well. But you also have a fairly rich car history of... Cars and vehicles are a bit left field. It's not your usual show cars of golfs, golf GTIs, you know, F4s, that kind of thing you would see. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll just start out. Um, we'll start at the start. Your first car on the road, what did you start out with? So when I turned 17, um, we had, my older brother had a VW Polo, um, which was bought for him, which we got the use of. And... It was a very basic 1.29N 
in oceanic green. That's so, a nice color. So the only thing that went for it was the lovely pearl metallic paint on it. Yep. So learned to drive in it, passed the test, wanted to modify it, but wasn't really allowed to because at this stage you were paying silly money for insurance and there wasn't a chance that you were declaring modifications on it. Does this mean this entire business is built on a rebellion against your parents? No, 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 not. <laughs> no, uh, um, no, weren't weren't allowed to do it at the start anyway. Um, I think the only thing that we did change was we put a set of wheels on it. Just as you start out, everybody makes horrendous decisions. Of course. And we stuck a set of 18-inch six-spoke ID Avis wheels on it on a 1.2 Polo with no suspension mods. Nice. 55 horsepower trying to turn those heavy Yeah, yokes. and it looked like a monster truck and it drove just as badly. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> and um, they lasted about a year. And then I think at that point, my older brother got another car. He got another Polo. He got a 9N2. So I took over with a 9N and then thought, right, well, we'll just we'll throw caution to the wind here and we'll just start doing stuff to it. So on to eBay and bought the finest set of TA Technics coilovers for it. Of course. And changed the wheels then, bought a set of 17-inch uh, Mark 1 TT wheels off eBay that had just been refurbed, real good condition, and obviously a good, solid, genuine wheel that was a straight fit. Is that the six spokes? Mm-hmm. That's why I have in the Bora then, yeah. They were the same wheels that famously saved Gethin on a certain day on a dyno. Oh, yes. And the tire blew out. Because he needed something that was 17 and 5 by 100 that would fit over the brakes. and You had them? I thought, well, I said, I said to them, I said, they've been sitting out the back of the garage for two years, maybe. Tires are questionable, so it's up to you. No, he still Don't put them know. straight on the dyno and maxed the thing out again. <laughs> Um, had yes had that for a while and then younger brother started to drive and there wasn't a mission I was sharing a car with him so I went out and bought a three year old B6 Passat Estate yeah this was the first car I think I remember you with yeah, when I got to know you yeah. so had it and same thing again I think at the time I'd gotten shared with AXA who weren't doing modifications at all but it was only people that would insure me in fact when i bought the car it was like three weeks before i would have another year's no claims and the difference in price was like 600 quid uh-huh. so i just bought this wanted to use it and then it sat in the driveway staring at me for three weeks before i could do anything with it so you were Torture. sensible and save the 600 quid save the 600 quid i think i took it out once or twice in that time for a wee quick blast when nobody was about oh yes and then first set of wheels I bought was a set of speed lines. Of course, at this stage, I was only getting into it and you learn from your mistakes and things. And I bought a set of 19 by 9 ET52s. That's the two-piece splits you would see about? Yeah. yeah. And they would have needed spacers to clear the, the insides and a whole lot of other things. So didn't keep them, sold them. But of course, flipped them and made a few quid. So it was good. Then bought a set of H&R Springs for it and kept shopping for wheels and couldn't find stuff but wanted uh, i don't want to go and lift something off the shelf yeah i've never had a set of wheels that you can just go and get off the shelf but at the same time wanted something different so i found these again another ebay find it was a an aftermarket replica style wheel of like a brabus wheel wanted to see if i could get them and the sellers on ebay you know everything's listed but nothing's available oh yeah so i turned to um mark at tire safety center and he's like yeah i'll find them for you so find them for me got me a set they were staggered setup 
looks smart. Put a set of H&R springs into it. And pretty much just drove away at it. Uh, I think then later on changed and put a set of Bentley big fat five-spoke ones onto it at some stage as well. Uh-huh. Another great eBay find, second-hand, nice and cheap. Had that for a while, but it had the two-liter PD140 engine in it. And it had the injector issue. Mm-hmm. So I had to put two injectors in it at the cost of like £1,200 a go. Um, then I did the clutch and flywheel, had to change that. And then after the clutch and flywheel was done, when it was done, the CV bolts onto the side of the box yeah. hadn't been torqued up. Mm-hmm. And long story short, one of the bolts ended up coming out. The metal pin that sits between the two bolts yeah. spun free. Milled a hole in the side of the box and it dumped the gear oil everywhere. Oh, nice. So it got... <laughs> I've been there before. It got patched up with some chemical weld and sent up a road. Very nice. I traded it in to Agnews and Molusk and bought a nine-month-old B6 saloon. I was going to say, this isn't the same sat that I'm thinking of. No, yeah. this was an estate to start with. Yeah. And then thought, right, well, i buy something new. The amount I've spent in the last six months, every month in repairs, is less than what a, a monthly plan is in this thing. Yeah. So I thought, right, that's that's a sensible thing to do. So did that, bought that, and I remember sitting, doing the deal and asking the girl, it's like, you know, with this deal, is the book and everything in my name? Is it in your name? Am I allowed to modify this? Mm-hmm. It's a one-year-old Highline Bissat. What on earth could you want to do to it? <laughs> Just you wait and see. <laughs> yep. But at the same time, I sort of thought, no, well, every time you buy a car and you spend money on it, you think, I'm not not going to not gonna play with this too much. I don't think so. That. <laughs> bought a set of Ibac springs. You never bought was, a new car, that's why. True. <laughs> bought some Ibac springs because it was just a subtle drop and threw the Bentley wheels onto it. And then that wasn't low enough. So then put some AP coilovers into it. And I think it changed the wheels back and forth a few times with different options. And then I was up... I think it was a car show in Antrim or something. This was, was 2010. And air suspension was just starting to hit the market. Yeah. There was a fella had a B6 estate and he'd put a Raven kit into it and he was taking it out. Messaged me. I think he messaged Aaron at the same time because he had his estate That's right. at that stage. I was like, is either of you want this kit? And I was like, right, I'll take it. Just took it. But didn't fancy having the the Rayburn analog management system on it. So at the time, airlift stuff wasn't available in the UK. It was import only. It was import only. So went and bought, this was literally about three months before V2 was released. And I looked at it, but didn't fancy it. I liked the controller of the V1 more. Yeah. So had the airlift V1 management then. Bought it, put it in, put the rest of the kit in. Grand. Um, The front suspension then after another couple of months started knocking. And I was like, right, can't be having this. I need to sort that. Imported a set of the airlift slam fronts for it then. And put them into it. And drove away at that for a good while. And then changed the interior. Um, I know most people hate a beige or cream interior. But I just think it looks sure classy thing. and upmarket and all the rest of it. So a full interior appeared in Dublin. And I mean full interior. The floor everything the headline and everything but this thing was all beige the carpet was beige the headline was beige the full door cards were beige 
And I was like, I don't want that. But now I have the option to pick and choose. So yeah, mix and match it. Modified the door cards, took the the cream leather from the door cards out and put it in with the, the rest of the black surround. Put the seats in, the armrest. And at that point I thought, right, that would do. But then we had the clash of the grey headline and the pillars with black and the beige. So I had to go all out, strip it all back out again, swap the headline out, put the beige one into it with the pillars, and then I was happy with that. Proper OEM plus, sir. You were yeah. building exactly what you want. So um, bodywork-wise, I put a set of the high-def side skirts onto it. Again, had to get them from the States. I found a used R36 rear bumper, grafted it onto the back of it, um, and bought a genuine R-line front splitter for it. But then over time with the stance game being what it is, all the arches started to get rust through. and show their age. So I was like, well, if I have to paint both quarters and both front wings, the bonnet and the bumper could really do being done. May as well just paint this whole car. And if we're going to paint the whole car... Why not colour change let's it? Let's colour change it. A man after my own heart. So um, the hunt was on. It always, always like a good, deep, dark red and at the time it was in the the cleos were coming out with this real lovely pearl effect and there's a couple of masses and things had it but speaking with painters and body shops are like you don't want a three-stage paint trying to match that again because trying to match it again is a nightmare so we settled on calypso red bmw which would have been found on e30s and e34s that's an older kind of red then so an older red but it still gave you this deep lustrous color and it was just a normal normalish metallic color so if i ever needed to it could be matched yeah painted it brought it out for another couple of shows and then just sort of thought you know i've i've had my had my time with this i've yeah. done everything i want to the next stage would be engine swapping it from a two liter tdi to something faster and i thought well what's the point why not just buy something faster so you do the usual thing and you, you go on the auto trader and you stick in right minimum of 400 brake and four, <laughs> four or five seats and less than 12 grand let's see what comes up a at w12 right of course i want Completely one of, sensible i yeah. want one of them because that looks like great crack and they're very good value for money so usual thing of shopping about for about nine months um constantly watching to see what came up what options were there were spec lists and all the rest of it and uh, eventually then sold up sat tried to sell it as it was but in the end just stripped it and it was a salesman bought it who would buy a car stick big big miles on it and then get rid of it so i had it all back to standard but it still had like poly bushes in it it still had at the time it was revo software in it um, and a few other subtle things but it also changed the interior back out sold the beige interior off got another uh, black leather sports interior for it put it in it so it was a mismatch of all sorts of stuff i think even when i went to sell it there was golf gti front shocks and springs and some random springs out of something else in the back of it just like right that that can go as is that's i, I remember seeing it one day in antrim yeah and i was driving down the road behind this passat and i was like that's a really nice color passat totally standard b6 and i was dri- it was actually down the airport road so it was behind it for quite a while and i kept playing and i was like i think that's gavin's old passat yeah and then I started like Googling and was like, did they ever come in a red B6? I was like, can't find anything at no. all. And then I think I messaged you a photo of it and you're like, yeah, that's my car. Yeah. It was YFZ something because, and you would, people would message every couple of months you get another message. I've seen this in the West Link or I've seen this here and here's a photo of it. X show car. And it, it's still going because someone sent me a link to it. Was it last year? It came up for sale again. So it was still going, but not even that. 
I looked the other week there, the old estate, which I bought with, I think it was like 110,000 miles and sold it 140, uh, 11 years ago, uh-huh. is still tax and tested. Good gearbox repair. So I don't know if the gearbox repair held or if somebody swapped it out or what the crack was that with, but. Yeah, chemical metal's a wonderful thing. Yeah, that's it. Fixes all problems. So uh, the Passat went, and of course, after shopping for nine months for a replacement ID, as soon as you sell it and you're ready to buy, nothing on the market. Of course. Absolutely nothing. So um, I gave it a week or two, and then this blue one appeared way down the south of England. Long wheelbase, loads and loads and loads of options, loads of history with it. And my only sort of stipulation, didn't want a silver it needed to be black or dark metallic and with a lighter interior. This one had a lovely silver leather in it. So gave the guy a phone call and says, like, I'm coming over from Northern Ireland. I'm fairly confident I'd take it. He sent me loads of photos of every stupid wee thing, like driver's seat bolsters and everything. I wanted every mark in the car. It's that age-old problem, though, of travelling to another country to lift a car. Yeah. You want all the information before you and do. And he pretty much knows if you're going to the effort of booking a flight, you're taking it. Yeah. But he was very honest. He refurbed the wheels and all for me and went to see it. It was, as described, absolutely spot on. But I had sent him... I asked him, did he want to deposit him on deposit? Sent him 100 quid for the sake, just to say that it went yep. two days before I went. That only arrived in his account the day I arrived. Of course. And I said, like, well, I will show you me transferring you the money. Here's my passport, my driving license, everything. I says, no, nah, no, nah, you're fine. Yeah, you took a chance. So away I went. Um... From Southampton then, all the way back, it took two full tanks of fuel at £110 each. Of course it did. Um, drove it all the way back. I got the Hollyhead, the Dublin boat. Arrived back at Dublin at like two o'clock in the morning and then gunned it the whole way up the M1 at, to see what it would do. And um, then, yeah, got stuck into it. Had already sort of researched the factory air suspension that's in it. It's like, right, what can we do with this? And loads of boys making um, B5 Audi stuff fit the front. Uh-huh. Um, and then making custom stuff for the rear. And I said, right, well, let's see what it sits just with no air in it. And right enough, the back went okay. Front wasn't low enough. Yeah. So at that time, I was in the process of starting Blackline. So... Cash was tight and didn't spend big money on it. So I got a set of second-hand B5 front struts, modified them, put them into it, and made them work with a factory air system, but also put my old V1 management in so that if I wanted to, I could still control it to a certain extent with yeah. compressors and tanks. So rather than let the factory compressor try and lift this massive car up from the ground that would take 15 minutes, I had tanks, had compressors that I could hit a button and it would help it to an extent mm-hmm. um did an install and all in that and then built a set of custom uh, speed line wheels so again those two-piece ID wheels from 19s stepped them up to 21s and threw them on it the, the funny thing was at the time the 21s didn't look ridiculously large on either for the size of that car yeah. you know it's such a big car that takes that kind of thing disappeared in large yacht problems yeah, yeah you put 19s in that it looks like it's on steel wheels yeah and then we had a show and was it down in dublin it popped the bead off the tire with the weight of the car sitting on it yeah so while sitting at the show um it was near the end of the show walking back past it and it's like that doesn't look normal and right enough just with the weight of the car sitting on the sidewall of the tire it had just slipped it off at some stage 
And it's I don't impressive. know if it's slowly done it over the day or if at some stage during the day when I wasn't here, it, it just popped. popped. Um, but lifted the car back up, stuck a, a compressor onto it and it filled it back up. So Perfect. just, right, 50 PSI and that, that'll do us get back up the road. And it was in the same run home. Made it the whole way back and we were in convoy with Nelly and Clark and a couple of others, I think. Made it the whole way home and got stopped by the police half a mile from the house because Clark was in front of me. And obviously all arriving back at my house didn't want everybody landing. They wanted me to go into the driveway first. So Clark slowed down, waved me past. 450 brake was easy enough to overtake him. And then the next thing, there's this Leon right up my backside and pulled him behind me and uh, got out and all guns blazing. That was a very dangerous maneuver. And I says, well, I checked the road ahead. I indicated the car in front of me indicated the near side, let me past. We knew what was happening. And then says, well, that's not the biggest matter. We're going to get onto these tires now, aren't we? And I says, this is where you shine. Don't. <laughs> and uh, call this. This is <clears throat> good stuff. He got uh, got out and I says, what's what's wrong with the tires? And he says, they're far too small for those wheels. And I says, they're not. He says, what do you mean? And I says, I do this stuff for a living. And I says, they're not too small for those. And I says, I, you don't put a two and a half ton car on ridiculously stretched tires. Not letting on that previously that day it had slipped off the bead, but oh, you that, that, that's neither here nor here. Minor thing. So uh, then Clark, they all stopped then behind me. And Clark came up and says, what, what's he doing? He says, um, he's doing it for the stretch. He says, hang on. Clark went to the glove box and pulled out Nine Kang spec seats. Class. Yeah, which I carry as well. And it was Nine Kang's on the ID too. So I says, here you go. There's the spec sheet. There is a 255 tire on a 10-inch wheel. And it's allowed to go anywhere between an 8.5 to a 10. So you can go and get your tape measure. You can measure the size of that wheel. You can see the size of the tire, but that tire is within manufacturer's recommendations. And argued and him and had, and he says, right, okay. And then came back. He says, it's okay. I'm getting a uh, traffic branch officer to come down now. And I says, you're wasting everybody's time. Yep. So sat and waited another 10 minutes. And I'll also point out that as we pulled up and stopped, Nicola was seven or eight months pregnant at this stage, and they wouldn't let somebody else bring her home so she had to walk oh nice a half mile seven or eight months pregnant on a lovely sunny day just to bring back to the house was it a young uh, officer he was uh, and uh, there's there's three of them in it and the other two once they had seen that i had started arguing they just disappeared and sat back in the car it's like <laughs> I'm, we're not getting involved that and was one it, thing sorry with lee's jetta when we were doing it with the tires was we wanted a ring that if you're stopped at least the ring's 100 legal you you can like if they want to argue you can argue yeah. all you want because you know you're in the right kind of thing and like there was nothing else with this car even it didn't even have metro plates or anything on yeah. it everything was 100% as it needed to be and uh, eventually then he came back and says I think we're just uh, can't get hold of any traffic branch officers going to take them a while so I think we'll, we'll let you go on on this occasion it's just not a problem cheerio does that not rally you more up though when they say oh we'll give you the benefit of the doubt this uh, time you know so and you're what like, you're telling me officers you've wasted my whole time here you're wrong <laughs> you're wrong so way perhaps you should go and educate yourself yeah. yep so uh Gavin should run a seminar any wonder i hate Kurt, cops do you remember last year what? during the summer banger they were stopping at the entrance saying your exhaust noisy that's like you've changed the exhaust in your car that's against they, the law they, they misinterpreted the section yeah. of the highway code yeah. and started spouting to boys that didn't know better i started arguing the fella yeah and yeah. i have i have absolutely nothing against them and i see people giving off that they turn up to meets and they come and inspect cars i am all for that because as they've proved they are finding people that oh, turn up yeah and we've had 
stuff turn up here and I've pushed it back out the door and said, no, come See and lift later. that. I'm not touching it. Aye. And just give them an absolute earful and tell you that you're the reason that everybody gets a hard time. Yeah, it's, it's such a pity, like. So... So around that time, then you you were saying, well, that was the start of Blackline as a business. Where was the beginnings of that? So it started um, once I put the air into the first basat at the, at the start. Um, then Ryan decided that he wanted to put air into. He just got himself a GTD Mark Six. That's right, the white one. White one, yeah. So he wanted to do that, and Ryan can sell snow to the Eskimos. So he got talking to a couple of guys in the UK who had started importing it. Um, at that time, there was lots of different people all importing from the States. Um, so he struck a deal with some of the guys and landed himself a new kit. We went about fitting it into it. And then at that point, it got loads of attention because it was a it was like a three-month-old car yeah. on air, which wasn't done at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, got loads of attention, got loads of people asking, and that's when he and I started doing the the air suspension. It all was done in his mum and dad's back garden or in the garage. This was a sideline kind of thing at this point? This was, we both had full-time jobs. This was done on evenings and weekends. Guys leaving cars off for the week. Passion project as well, if you can turn a few quid. It happy was, days. It was great. The days were good. But I even remember... Being out in the back garden under a gazebo in the pouring rain, trying to put suspension into stuff, but still enjoying it. Yeah, yep. young and naive. <laughs> um, so we did that for two or three years, and then it was Dubshed the year I'd had the A8, and he decided that he'd had enough. Um, he didn't want to do it anymore. I was going to give it in, and I was like, "Well, I still enjoy doing this." So I took it on at that stage. I thought, "Right, let's." Let's do this properly. Um, set myself up with a limited company. Got um, VAT registered. Did the whole heap. That took six months or so. So in the meantime, still doing odds and ends in my own driveway at the house. And like, uh, I don't have my neighbours listening to the air gun going in the driveway at 10 <laughs> o'clock at night as I'm still battering away. You were still f- full-time employment at that stage? You had still looked. full-time yep. employment at that stage. Um, so kept going with that. And then it was at that point... I'd done work back and forth with uh, Baron at Top Secret and I'd looked for premises, you know, just a, a single car garage that I could put a lift into or something to get started. And he offered then to come and sublet with him. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's that's a good way to get started because we can bounce work off each other. Yeah, because he does interior work. If he has guys in for that, you can pass it to him and, and vice if, versa. Yeah, if someone wants its stuff trimmed and like we did, we did a couple of leather wrapped tanks and stuff, which turned out really really good yeah and sort of it's essentially in-house for you then if you're yeah. working with them so subletter from there that was a deceptive premises it was thin but it went way back yeah it was real it? big not only that then he'd at that time he had taken on so he was growing at that stage too so he'd taken on the unit next door as well and he'd taken on more staff which was gary so he'd taken him on at that stage and things went well for was nearly two years there and over that two years at the time i was my full-time work was working for my dad driving a delivery van so i was able to slowly start cutting back my hours there and increasing doing as momentum kept building yep it worked out well that i could still do both this, kind of thing both at the same time um and at that stage as well 
we had Joshua, our first, who was only just born three weeks or something before we launched. That took all your evening times. So you couldn't do it just in the evenings anymore. We uh, kept building momentum with that, cut down my hours, built up my hours doing the black line stuff. And then I think at that point, I decided to go full time at it. So uh, my dad's business was sold up and I thought, well, I'll, I'll stick this out. That was in October time. I thought I'll stick this out to Christmas and lasted like three weeks. And with the new owners? With the new owners. And I was like, nah, stuff this. The fork so in the road appeared. The big decisions in your life are always nearly forced upon you. Yeah. So this decision to go all out self-employed and actually have to earn enough to pay myself was daunting, mm-hmm. but worked. I uh, that's it, a big that's a big step with a chain yeah. just arrived. No, yeah, it was, uh, it's not exactly the right time either. Like, no. but well, this this was about forces you. yeah, this is about a year or so into it, um, so went full time at it. Fortunately, had enough work to keep me going. Kept doing more performance bits and pieces. You're getting boys asking for air intakes and all sorts of other bits. And then about three years ago now, Byron was closing up. He got offered a, a full time job that he couldn't justify, still being self employed and. Rightly so. I think anybody that's self-employed and suddenly gets a job offer of not having the stress of doing books and paperwork and all the rest of it. Doing the work, chasing the money, finding the work. You have the same paycheck at the end of every month. It's great. Yeah. He's in the camera work or sound or something. Yeah, sound and uh, picture stuff. So lots of TV ads and promotional stuff and all that now. So that's what he did previously to doing the trimming stuff. Uh, So that was all his full-time work previously and all the audio and trimming stuff was his part-time. (laughs) <laughs> which he then cut down and, and then started it. doing it all full time and then went back. Yeah. So who knows, I could be back out in a delivery van in a couple of years. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Um, Baron done some crazy stuff over the years, like yeah. his escort. Uh, well, he was in the thick of the Max Power days. Yeah. yeah. Off doing big body kits and silly sound systems that were totally impractical. Just like over the top. TVs in the back off the front seats. Just because you When could. there's no back seats. Yeah. Just I, because just you can. Because he, yeah. yeah that, that flex is the talk about so uh that was that and then when he closed up then we needed premises and at that point i took on new premises i took on gary as a member of staff uh-huh. so we had rent we had rates we had wages to start paying and i was like well we just got to go for this i remember someone telling me what you taken on here and the size of it and i was like that man is absolutely insane yeah, so we, we didn't have much time to find somewhere so i think at the time units that were available locally was there's a 1500 square foot unit or this unit which is 5200 square foot it's <laughs> quite a difference <laughs> and we're just like we're just gonna rattle about in this place and so took it on anyway Got stuck into it, changed the whole place up, took all the offices out, made a single office and showroom and a trim room out the back, knocked down uh, stud walls that were put up in the main workshop, um, built our own uh, woodwork room to put all the table saws and routers and everything else in there. Now we're at the stage where we're nearly running out of space again. Yeah, because it's funny, while, yeah, you think we have a rattling about and all been well, you have that room for future expansion and now yeah. you're sitting here and you're like, more need more room. Yeah. You know, where do you go? Sound like Adam LZ here. You'll have a compound next, will you? Just buy the whole unit. Yeah. The whole estate here. <laughs> well, if the boys next door are moving out anytime soon, we'd definitely knock a wall down and go in there as well. But I knew if you boys could have a word with them. No. Knock on the door. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. too warm for the balaclavas at the moment. No. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so back to your, the uh, I would say cars, but this is going into vehicles then. You had a four air with a T six fan, the transporter. Yeah, so I'd always fancy I'd always fancied a transporter, and the A it went, and 
I didn't just want an old diesel van because you can't go from 450 brake to a 200 brake diesel. Aye, if you're lucky. And so I thought, right, well, let's engine swap one and build it to spec. This was for yourself and as a promotional for your business. So this this is essentially what we can do. And bought a VR6 Passat Estate and bought a long wheelbase twin sliding combi that when I bought it, was sold with 120,000 miles on it. MOT had expired, so took it in, did some light mechanical stuff to it just to try and get a year's MOT on it so that I could use it straight away once essentially I'd built it. Mm-hmm. Took it to the MOT center, and the battery wasn't great on it, but again, I wasn't putting money into this. I just needed to get it through. Rolled it into the MOT center, gave them the mileage, and could see on the screen the previous mileage at 338,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Nice haircut. So I was like, well, that's quite the haircut, but I didn't care yeah. because when I went to buy it, I wanted to see that the underneath of it wasn't rotten. And the very early T5s, I believe, got treated with different stuff from the factory as what the later ones did. And uh-huh. they were known for not rotting as badly. And this thing was really, really good condition underneath and throughout. But obviously then didn't pass the MOT. The battery died and wouldn't restart. They could have jumped it in the rollers, but they couldn't be bothered. So they pushed me back outside and they pushed it back outside, realized that the turbo oil seeds had given way and there was oil all over the MOT center. Oh, that's nice. great timing, like, isn't it? <laughs> so I uh, pushed back out and thought, right, well, just the MOT sensor's two minutes from the house. So drove it back home, parked and drive and thought, right, let's go. Let's just start stripping this. Engine gearbox out, every panel that I could out of it, the whole inside of it, wiring loom, everything out. And... At this stage, I was driving about in the Passat. I was just about to strip the Passat when um, Shane at Bespoke NI, who do VW camper conversions at Ballymena. Yeah. I was on the phone to him one day. He says, what, what stage are you at with a conversion? I says, van is stripped and I'm ready to strip the Passat here and take engine, loom, everything out and throw it into this van. And he's like, VW have just released a two liter TSI from factory. Mm-hmm. Get yourself up to Molusk. And go and get yourself one order. But a new van, you know, at 30,000, pounds, like, I don't know if I can do this. So then you have a chat with the accountant and they point out all the benefits of buying new vehicles and on lease deals. On lease deals and, yep. and how it works against your tax bill and everything else. And I was like, okay, then let, let's go and have a chat then. So went up, had a chat with the sales guy and then showed me the options list and ticked nearly everything on it. Mm-hmm. I thought, right, let's, let's, if you're going in, Let's go, go, all, go in. all in. So ordered it and it was late. It should have been here for Dubshed and three weeks before Dubshed, I still didn't have it. It arrived two weeks before Dubshed, but everything was sitting ready for it. So brand new van straight in, stripped. All the suspension chains, the ABP air suspension into it, airlift management, polybushed, H&R anti-roll bars, the whole heap all done and dusted in a week and a half. Yeah, I remember he was rolling in for Dub Shedford. We were setting up the site that time. Was that, that maybe around the, one of the first times it was in the Icon Centre? First probably, or second year, maybe. Yeah. Um, and seeing it and going, that thing is cool. Because you don't see that sort yeah. of thing. And as a, a business tool at the time, transporters in the UK are much bigger than they were here. Yeah. And this slammed van was something totally, totally different. different. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it worked well. And then you did a bit of, well, I wouldn't say track work, but race work with it as well it was yeah, all, wasn't for, all show again just to try and um 
push the brand and all the rest of us thought right well go take a drag race and lots of teehees and giggles as you're rolling up to the the strip but able to put sort of stage one gti's and stuff in their place yeah that was you were racing that weekend as well in the Corrado. yeah um there was actually a lot of local ones we even know were racing it was down at uh, san angelo's airport in mm-hmm. Enniskelly. that was a fun event yeah. i enjoyed that so and good. but seeing the van was just cool because like the aerodynamics of literally a brick yeah and what was it about 300 horsepower you had of that yeah it was, that was just over 300 our suspension 19s on it that stage was uh, it that stage, I think I'd thrown a set of 20s on it by that stage. It wasn't exactly set up for racing, no. like, but it was impressive what yeah. it was doing. Because I remember you were kind of like in the, the waiting line coming up to it, and I was standing talking to you and looked across, and you had like the laptop sitting beside you just firing away at us. Didn't the manifold. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem with that was there's no traction control button even in that, so you couldn't turn it off. So you I had to go in with the, lap time, the laptop every time to turn it off to do a run. Nice. Um, so that's why it was always sitting, it always looked very professional sitting with a laptop it's like I, I literally just need to turn the traction control off <laughs> but it was DSG and it was a I'm nightmare lo- I'm logging files here for my next tune you know? <laughs> yeah no well it did in fairness it did, did do a couple of data logs up and down to see if we could squeeze any more out of it but um, yeah that was it was it was good crack your van fetish didn't stop there then you're one of the well not your most recent but one of the more recent ones was the crafter you picked up yeah so the TSIs and the transporters were a short lived thing in theory they should only have ever been a Euro 5 engine. Oh, right, yeah. And they were being flogged off as Euro 6 VW up to their usual tricks. Oh, no. And so eventually they caught on to this and cut production off them. And so the value of them held really well. And I ended up selling it for more than I bought it for. Oh, happy it is. It killed me to do it because I absolutely loved it. Plus, I'd frustrated a few neighbours with it. And that sort of... When you can't even drive it home without thinking, am I going to get shouted at over the garden fence here for taking my own van and the driveway? Yeah, it, it breaks your heart and you lost all interest in it. So it uh, it went, and uh, it was standing at the workshop here one day, and the guys um, at DB Tiles had not long just bought themselves a crafter, and they run tiles up and down the lane on it. So it's never on the road. But, well, it's on the road, but they'd often overfill this thing with tiles just to run it up and down. And it rolled past here one day with about eight ton of tiles in the back of it on the floor. And I was like, that's cool. That looks cool. <laughs> Light bulb moment. <laughs> let's let's do that. It's wonderful the way where things come from, isn't it? Like? Yeah. So, and I'd seen before as well, I think um, Gepford did a KW coilover kit for them. And I'd seen some pictures of it and thought, I ah, hear there's, there's a market for this. Yeah. Let's let's go and get myself one. So I have uh, someone's doing coilovers for it. Why not air? Yeah. So nothing available on the market. Knew it wasn't going to be straightforward because of the leaf spring rear and stuff in it. Went and bought one. Got another new one. Took it in. Start of last year. Worked alongside the guys at Plush Automotive. That's right. Yeah. Um, so used. Uh, to start with, we used the fronts from a transporter because it was very very similar. Mm-hmm different top mount design different brackets and things on it but essentially near enough the same thing then worked with the guys actually next door here in the engineering place to try and make up some steel bag brackets for them luke also had contacts for the rear leaf spring on it which they would use in their caddy kits so the guys that made them made us a bespoke set of these leaf springs that we use cable for the crafter obviously with the weight difference yeah so Spent loads of time back and forth. COVID slowed the whole thing down, but eventually had it done, I think about August, September last year. 
I think it was out around the first driven run, wasn't it? You came yeah. on. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, just just, like just finished. We, I think we finished it about three weeks before that, yeah. and we did loads of uh, road testing at that stage because we were still waiting on the wheels coming. Uh huh. So it's, it's just going back to plush. It's good you're you're able to work with a company like that. There, he would do a lot of van work, wouldn't he? Well, he at or is the, he when, when he he developed the transporter kit, and at the time before that, I think. There was an Airx kit on the market and there was maybe a couple of others. And he thought, well, he put a couple of these Airx kits in. and We'd done a couple of sales and they were in and they worked, but they weren't great. Yeah. The bag size in the front was too small. Same in the rear. Um, the top mount design wasn't great. And he then developed that kit. And as soon as people could see how well it drove on Bilstein shocks, how high it lifted, yeah. how low it went... And how it was virtually the same price as the Airx kit, he sold these in the yeah. dozens. Just totally made sense to go that yeah. way. But the van game over in England is just different. It's it's totally different. Yeah, you, it's, you go to the likes of EW Action and the amount of vans. transporters and vans yeah. and so many of them, it's mental money people are putting into yeah. them. Like, and, and that's, that's a lot of them run there. Whenever I sold that last T6 and I put the price up, it was just endless amount of boys laughing at it. Yeah. From here. The guys in the UK, you get some that are like, oh, that's that's mental, but there's others saying that's really good value. Yeah, they're after it. And I tried selling it as a whole, as it was, didn't sell, stripped the air out of it, put a set of springs in, a cheaper set of wheels on it, and then the guy that ended up buying it wanted the big brakes, wanted air suspension, and wanted the old wheels back on it. <laughs> sell it all. <laughs> which I'd already all sold on, so I had oh, to buy it all way. back, build it to spec for him, change the audio slightly for it, and... Yeah, I ended up selling it for more than the cost. Your crafter, then you mentioned the wheels. They were bespoke built for it, weren't they? So the crafter is a 5 by 120 wheel fitment, which is on the same center bore as the transporters, but it has a really, really high Love. offset on them. Oh, yes, uh, that's right. So any transporter wheels that you put onto them were going to sit 10, 15 mils out of the arch. Yeah. And at this stage, we were trying to order wheels and not knowing how low we could get this thing to go. The limit on the rear was the axle onto the chassis legs. Mm-hmm. And the front was the drive shafts on the chassis legs. So we knew roughly where it was going to go, but we were aiming that this thing was going to tuck. Nothing off the shelf worked. Nothing fitted. Everything was going to poke. So we turned originally to Rotiform to make them for us. They said, yeah, 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 no problem. What, what's it going on to? VW Crafter. Of course, they have no idea what a VW Crafter is because they don't get them. And is it like a transporter? Yeah, it's like a transporter. Okay, no problem. Sure, send us through the axle weights. And we'll see what we can do. Sent them through. And of course, the axle weight in the rear is totally different from a transporter. It needs a thousand kg each wheel uh-huh. as a minimum. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not building them. So I was Thanks. like, right, well, if, you know, I'm in a position here, which I've always wanted to be in, of buying a full set of three-piece wheels. Will you not sell them to me? No. That's wild. Right. Well, that's class. So uh turned to Vossen then. And we said like, you know, can you do it? Yeah. No problem at all. What, what, what do you need them for? It's this 1,000 kg wheel. Sure, we'll build them to 1,200 kg a wheel. How's that? Why right, not? That'll do. Where, where are Vossen based? They're American as well. American. So um, That's the kind of company you want though, wouldn't it? You know, you don't have they were, the they were more spec. than happy. They That's just fantastic. Whatever design you want and whatever spec you want. So we ordered them and measured and measured and measured. Worked out this offset and thought, right, this is what we need. And then the last minute, chickened out and added another 10 mil to the offset, thinking I can add spacers. Yeah. Rather than That's skim a lot of money the to mess up like. So, um, ordered them in and 
they weren't actually that long. It was about eight or nine weeks. It's impressive for a one-off build. For one-off build, and they came, and they're stamped in the back, built for 2020 VW Crafter, and built for us. Fully, yeah, they're, they're actually like specified like front left, front right, that kind of thing. Yeah, on, doesn't it? well, yeah. they specify front left and front. They specify lefts and rights, but in my mind, the design is the wrong way around for a directional wheel. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, I have that problem with directional wheels too. And I was like, I don't care what you say and put them on the other way because in my mind, that's that's the right way. And there's nothing more irritating than seeing directional wheels all the wrong way. Yeah, that's hateful. So um, put them on, got tires on, and it lined up nicely that the air had just been finished. We put these on and then I got Adam Osborne to come down, shoot a load of photos off it, and then stuck it up on the page and it went mad you end up a magazine feature of all those photos yeah I think, so there's a us. pvw or not the pvw uh vwt magazine which is for vw transporters sneak a crafter into it so that was that was no, good. That's cool and then you sort of played with the audio side and that thing too as well which is another part of the business yeah so um with so much room for activities in the back i handed the reins over to gary um but had to try and rein him in so two 15s and a 24 cubic foot box was him reined in i was going to say yeah that's reined in for gary known as a previous he, would, he would have just stuck 10 of them in and there had been no room for anything in the back of the van it would have just been subs no fairly not real top of the range stuff but good quality rockford stuff throughout just a set of components in the front in the factory locations running off a four channel amp and then the subs in the back we gave them a 750 watt amp each in this custom built sixth order box poured it up in through the back of the bulkhead so inside everything looks lovely and then you open the sliding door and there's this massive random box coffin in the back of it <laughs> um death by audio but yeah the whole idea with it was that you could take it to shows and you just give it a rattle for a couple of minutes and draw get, a bit of attention draws a bit of attention people come over and and it's like everything with audio if you make a few smart decisions you don't have to spend an absolute fortune to get decent quality because yeah. it does like you have 215s and if you told me 215s had good sound quality i'd laughed at you but it's yeah. just really well set up yeah but um it, in setting up that box and making it and tuning it to the frequencies you wanted to play at that that's where all the effort is and that's where gary's expertise comes in that's no where end. he absolutely excels so and more recently then a lot of the you gained a bit of notoriety with another van locally anyway on the track was your most recent t6 yeah so um you obviously missed it enough to buy another one yeah um i sort of kept an eye on them and i'd always fancied another one uh, but i wasn't going to go all out like i did with the last one and top spec and all the options and all the rest of it so there was basic panel vans appearing back in the market um, they were always sold as a 150 with a manual or a 204 with a DSG and I previously had a 204 with a DSG and thought right well let's just get a cheap manual one throw a decent clutch in it and see what it'll take and the 150 is still the TSI it's exactly the same it's engine it's just software tuned we had to take the crafter over then to the guys at Plush they wanted to see the kit for themselves because with COVID we couldn't get back and forth to do anything uh-huh. so in January I just rang them and said right I'm just going to land this with you you can sign seal and do the rest of it and tweak it if needs be and uh, do that. So I thought, right, well, if I'm heading across the water here, I may as well have a look and see what vans are up. So in the weeks coming up to it, I thought, right, let's see what's going. There's lots of silvers and blue ones and didn't fancy any of them. And then there's a, a black one appeared in London. So uh, you are black lane, you're not white lane. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Could, <laughs> couldn't be seen in anything else. So uh, 
went to see a blue one then in Birmingham, just out of interest because it was about the same money, but it was it had been well used as a delivery van Typical or something. Typical van. Every panel had a mark on it. Top so by the time you start tidying this up, the whole thing's gonna need painted. Then got the train, went down to London, went to see it. Now I could see it had been repaired in quite a few places. Probably had just as hard a life, but at least someone had gone to the effort of trying to tidy this up. Yeah. And took it then, brought it home. I brought the laptop and stuff over with me. So, of course, it was 20 minutes away from the dealership forecourt and I had it tuned. <laughs> um, Warranty what? And we found out very quickly then that the uh, standard clutch was not capable of doing anything over 200 brake. I suppose with the weight of the van as well, you know, you're running into issues with that too. So... Um, Nursed at home then with a, a clutch that by this stage I had absolutely killed. <laughs> um, and then straight into performance stuff before we did. Haven't done anything else to it really other than the performance side of things. So we have the Bilstein Solo coilovers in it currently um, with a 150mm drop. Very nice. Um, H&R anti-roll bars. There is poly bushes to go into it, but like your own projects you never get round to it when you've... When you need to. When you've everything else happening, so... They're still to go into it. And then I just stuck a set of 18-inch Amarok steel wheels onto it. Uh-huh. So they were direct fit. You could get a, a decent enough tire onto them. So it still looked like a panel van. Um, not knowing what it is actually. Not in knowing it. that there's 300 brake under the bonnet. But then thought the new uh, Rotiform DTMs came out. And thought right there, a lovely looking wheel. Let, let's get a set of them. Got a set of them and they came out tidied it up a bit gave it a bit more road presence not as subtle as it was but still not really it's not drawing your eyes yeah, such, yeah. and then uh, a friend of mine had said that he's a wee mini Cooper S and he'd taken it to track skills the odd time and thought oh, well, that sounds like good crack you know what, what's involved and he says you pay the money you go down whatever you drive whatever you brought with you and I thought oh, well, we'll, we'll do that for a laugh sounds fun so after sitting in the house one night after a few drinks I just went on and there we go let's book that <laughs> so uh, booked it and I booked it originally for the June one but it worked out that that's when I was ending up going back to lift the crafter a weekend that appeared an opportunity to get back and lift it and spend a bit of time with the guys over there so ended up doing that, had a delay it, then went in July instead. And um, they do the, the chat at the start. So all the drivers come down, have a meeting, explain the basic rules, what's happening, the layout of the event, everything else. And then they called out the groups. So there was four groups. First group and second group were sort of ones that had been there, more experienced. One group three was people that had never been um, novices. And then group four was sort of the leftovers. And when they called them all out, yeah, called it. And this this isn't a misprint. This is a VW transporter van, and everybody laughed. <laughs> <laughs> was it Donald? Was it? Yeah, yeah. So he's 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 a good character. Did he know the crack with the van? What it was the specs? When, yeah. Whenever you fill it out and pay for your ticket, you just put in vehicle details, right. and I just put in VW transporter. Then whenever I came in to sign on, it's seen on the sheet. Everybody, every other car down the list, and then in block capitals at the bottom, van question mark. <laughs> as if to say is is this right is, is this a typo or what, what is this and he asked me then he says what what is a transporter van I says yeah he says really and I says yeah really so he says I can't wait to see this he says what, what's in it and what and I says it's a it's a factory built petrol engine and we have it tuned to about 300 brake and obviously there is chassis mods and stuff in it to cope with actually driving around the track and it isn't just a, a panel van 
just can't wait to see this. So group one went out and you can stand at the pit wall and watch everybody going down. There's a dozen people standing watching. Group two went out, maybe a dozen people standing watching. And then it was my turn to go out. And I came around the end of the first lap and the pit wall was rammed from one end to the other. <laughs> everybody watching this van blitz around the track. Oh, it's fantastic. So first couple of laps just took it handy. And then started catching stuff and guys in mx5s and smaller stuff like that you're just you know an mx5 will massively outdo you in the corner but down the streets i was just par obliterating them um so found i did the first run out and came in a bit early than the full session because it's just like i have no idea what's happening here yeah you have your helmet on you can't hear the normal noises that you can hear I think I can hear my tire squealing, but I'm not sure if that's mine and I don't know to what extent they're squealing and I'm pushing a near two-ton van around this track. So brought it back in, checked, looked over everything. Brakes have got hot, but it's only standard steel discs and pads in it. Yep. There wasn't anything changed. They're the slightly bigger upgraded factory brakes, but that's it. What are they, 340s or something? Three, yeah, 340 mils. And uh, I checked the tires and stuff too because I have a set of hand cooks on it at the minute and checked it and everything looked good and I was like I can see nothing wrong with this it obviously gets extremely hot and I think oil temperature peaked at 121 degrees or something at one stage but tires were holding up well so I thought, that's right, impressive yeah that, that's good let's let's go again let's push a wee bit harder and as the more I started to push on through the day then um traction control button will turn the traction control off but won't turn the anti-stability control off so mid-corner it's pinching a wee bit of brake here and there. If it feels you starting to slide, that kind of thing. If it feels it's starting to slide, it's coming in, the light's flashing the dash, kills the throttle, pinches the brakes, and then it just won't let you throttle back out of the corner. So I am going past stuff on the straight. They're catching up with me in the corner, and you can see them in your mirror, and they're right tight onto you. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing, this thing decides that it's going to pinch the brakes mid-corner, and whatever's behind you is nearly into I you. Do, yeah, they're not expecting that. you're bailing out as quick as you can the other side of the corner to let them back pass again. It's like, ah, sorry. Is that something you can override? Have you looked at it? It's going to be another job of getting the laptop out and sitting with the laptop in the van. Play with it. So you can put it into a... Rats and strap it down. (laughs) Bench roller mode, which will allow you to turn off everything, essentially, as if it was on a dyno, similar to what we'd done for the drag days. Um, So we need to experiment with that and see if we can get it off completely. Is the bug bitten then? Do you think you'd be back with it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good to see. It was funny because on RMS, there's a thread for track skills and... I actually had sent it to you. I yeah. was like, you're getting a lot of attention here. You know, everybody was talking about it and yeah. it's rightfully so. You know, it's so, totally different. So my only regret is that I didn't get it stickered up more. So for oh, going back next time. It was blank. That's right. Yeah. And it goes back. All I'd done is literally left a handful of the stickers we have and stuck, stuck one each side and one yeah. in the back door. Sorry, I just want to go stealth mode. You know, nobody watching you know, that yeah. kind of thing about a testing. So uh, <laughs> no, for next time, there'll be a few changes and keep pushing left. Kirkuson's a particularly polishing course. It's two long straights. Yeah. So you're hard, hard on the brakes and hard into the, the bottom corner. Like I used to do track days a lot years ago and it was always hard. Like don't admit it's a hard track yeah. on brakes, but it's always the front left tire gets it. Yeah. Just so peels the edge clean off. I did four sessions and after the third one, I came back in and just, I could see the shoulder on the, the front left tire ah. disintegrating. I was like, I need to swap these because yeah. I've got to get home. I good and all as they are. They're not going to last forever. So lifted the front of the van, swapped the two front wheels about, and sent it out again, and it, it, it evened them out again. And the graining of the tire then leveled out, and it, it wasn't too bad. So very good. 
Mm-hmm. And that's good. It'll be interesting to watch the development of that because every, every time you go out, you have something change, you know, see what your times are. What what was your lap times? What was your best lap times on it? Uh, 116.6, I think. And what you've done track skills before? I've, I've never timed myself. Have you not? <laughs> <laughs> well, as a comparison, my friend and his uh, Cooper S was doing sort of 114s. I think he broke into the 113 marks. And you got what, sorry? 116. That's impressive. Yeah, that's really impressive. So, in a van. Yeah, it was good. But like again, you know, it, it is a big van. Curb weight is about 1,700. So it's not, yeah, it's not far massive off. weight. Yeah. Um, they say to you earlier, it's like a, a Mark 6 or 7 with a couple of people in it, basically. Yeah. So it is weight-wise. I imagine taking that out onto the track, you know, yeah. that would be... You know, people will be looking at you going, why you got this? Yeah. Like, Lisburn Car Park on a Sunday night 10 years ago. Car full of people wrecking around it. So. Just to finish up there, more sort of on the business side of things. Obviously, with the EPA introducing the stuff, you know, obviously that came in here, that does affect your yeah. business. But a big effect for a lot of businesses is like the online stuff versus your bricks and mortar building. Yeah. How do you sort of combat that or what way, you know, is it a constant struggle or is it a case of, you know, you have a set plan with what you do? Yeah, eventually, yes. Um, be great to get a proper e-commerce site up and going. It'll work in two ways. That it'll save the amount of messages you get just asking for prices. Yeah, because everybody can see it online. But it also works against you because if the price isn't competitive, then somebody can see straight away. Yeah, they're not going to. I no dialogue with you. You can say, "Well, look, I can do this, that, or the other." Yeah. Whereas if somebody messages us, majority of people that message you either that it's either they haven't got a clue of what something costs mm-hmm. or they already know exactly what they want so you can sort of gauge from messaging somebody um if they have it or if they want it if it's something they want they'll not even ask the price because they just go for it mm-hmm. you'll get an idea of you know oh i've messaged about and i'm looking at price but even then 90 percent of the time if somebody says that they're messaging about that's our price you know oh well joe blogs in the shed up the road can do it for 300 pound cheaper Go to nope. Joe Blogs. Go to Joe Blogs. Hundred yeah. percent. Then bring it back to me. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then bring it down in when something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, our price is what it is. The standard of our work has to speak for itself, above and beyond what somebody in a shed can do. The advantages, especially in the likes of the air suspension, is that we have lots of stock now of stuff. Yeah. So we have half a dozen management kits in stock. We have about thirty compressors now in stock. We have a variety of different tanks. We have all the air fittings in stock, and we have. I now always keep one of every Mark IV, Mark V, Mark VI, Mark VII kits on the shelf. Aye, so last minute or anything goes wrong, it's always there, you back up of parts. Yeah, worst case scenario, you know, something does happen, new parts or something under warranty. The normal procedure is that it needs to go back, it has to be looked at by airlift, and then it has to come back to us. Mm-hmm. Whereas nine times out of ten, customer goes back and it's under warranty, I'll just say, look, here's another one. You take that. I'll start the warranty. Ah, it means then, it yeah. means then the car's not sitting off the road. It's somebody that needs it to get to work and they can't wait four or five days turnaround for something to get looked at. Um, we'll usually do anything we can to keep the customer. No, I never actually thought of that way. That's a great way to enhance your reputation and yeah. your customer service. Like you know? Plus but, then the other thing you run into with any suspension work, not even just our suspension, is like alignment. As soon as you touch anything, yeah. you know, it's all out. You want to drive around, try and get booked in somewhere, this, that, or the other. You can do it all in house too. Which yeah. So what one thing I'd always been passionate about was setting up a car properly. Yeah. Back in the days of trying to get the Passats aligned and taking it from here to there, and it was never right. This wasn't right, and you're taking it back. And most places do offer, you know, that if it isn't right, we will take it back in. But after 
I remember being at one place two or three times and again, top equipment, but they just couldn't get it right. Yeah. We'll offer any free adjustment in the first two weeks, especially if somebody's just had new springs fitted. Because it always settles. Because it'll always settle. If you want us to come back and check it, no problem. If you don't think it's right, bring it back in. We will forever check that until the point that we will agree and say, now nah, we can't get that, so there's your money back. Yeah. Because if, if it isn't right, it isn't right. You can't say it further than that either. Yeah. And that's, again, your online stores aren't able to do that kind of thing. Exactly. Your new machine, the Hunter machine, that's the same machine used by Porsche workshops in the UK, something like that, isn't it? Yeah, so Porsche, um, BMW, Mercedes, they're all using the Hunter Elite machines. Um, and again, was the start of last year, we sort of looked at upgrading the machine, or getting a machine, rather. And uh, we looked at everything from the the simple systems, the top end stuff. And you always, you always question it's like anything. You say, well, what am I getting above and beyond? You know, why, why is this machine twice the price of some other ones? Yeah. Surely setting the wheel straight is setting the wheel straight. That, that's all there is to it. But the accuracy of that machine is scary. Not only that, the backup that you get with it, the support that you can have with it, the guys at ProLine are up and down the country all day, every day, looking after the machines. Any issues that are normally here within a day, or day or two can't say further than that and the online phone support there's always somebody at the end of the phone it's like that old saying you get what you pay for yeah 100 percent. you've had a lot of stuff through the doors obviously in five to seven years if you want to go right back to the early days yeah air suspension always kind of tied in with um mostly volkswagen stuff you know the german type stuff not so much the jap but you've had a lot of jap stuff through your friend richie brown his 200 sx is there for wiring him rerouting after lowering things like that yeah. um have you had a particular favorite thing that's come through the door you know you might have seen quite a lot of different stuff like we do we get we've had some real nice high-end stuff through the workshop but 99 percent of the time you're not allowed to take photos of it you're not allowed to post down on social media that's sort of more top-end stuff so it's nice to work on mm-hmm. and people are like well how can you you're not afraid to touch it? it's like no because it's just a car like anything else yep you break a piece of trim on it, you buy another piece of trim, you put it in. It might be slightly more expensive, but it's still... It's nuts and bolts. Yeah, it's nuts yeah. and bolts. So, um, no, it's always nice to get stuff like that. Um, as a one in particular and favourite, I don't even think I could... One of my favourite stuff you were talking about earlier is Clark's 200 SX. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's a... Uh, an ornament in the corner of the workshop these days. It's, I thought it was your promo vehicle. Uh, you painted it black soon as well. <laughs> well, I think, what what is it? How long do you need to have something in your possession before you're a legal owner of it? Squatter's garage, rights. Garage, I think it's a year, so it's yours now, guys. That's definitely mine. That's Sorry, Clark. <laughs> yeah, because you you done the lockdown log with him, Nigel, and it was actually done here That's as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, has, he, has he started paying you rent yet, has he? Not quite. Lodgings? Not quite, but uh, <laughs> he has hopefully uh, just are in the process of signing sailing for a a house. Oh yes, you take so, bad uh, money for it. Whenever that's signed and sealed, I just rock up with the car and say, Clark, "There you go." Clark does your uh, internet or your. Uh, he does. Yeah, yeah, stuff, he he looks, you know, I land stuff on him last minute. It's like, right, this promotion's out. Yeah. I need yeah. a nice graphic or an image or something, and he fires it out yeah. for me the next day. Good guy. Yeah. Gavin's sitting with it all planned for weeks, and then lands it on him last minute. <laughs> just get no, back at him. <laughs> <laughs> the problem, especially with like the likes of the airlift promotions. Um, the dealers aren't even told till two or three days before it's it was you kind of thing. You know it's coming, but you don't know the details of it. So you sort of have to spring it on them and say, right, this is going on tomorrow from midnight. Sort of out. I need something to, to schedule to post up. So One thing you can always rely on with airlift is the 
what do you call it black friday or oh yeah yeah it's they always do that every year i suppose you can sort of rely on that no we're, we're the same we sort of anticipate it coming thin the stock down as much as you can and then because we can buy cheaper just nah, i buy cheap then. fill the shelves back up with it um obviously you do a lot of stuff we've talked about it's not just our suspensions a lot of tuning work you know yeah. bolt on software that kind of thing is there anything you want to do differently like future expansion or is there anything in particular you want to try or a lot of people ask whenever we've got the alignment machines like why do you not put a dyno in mm-hmm. it's like I have no want or need at the minute for one. That's a lot of space as well. Yeah. Uh, it a takes lot of a lot of space, a lot of, a lot of investment. Time. Yeah, it's a lot of investment. Um, the alignment machine made sense for us because we could, every car that comes through for any suspension work needs alignment done. Yeah. So that was another way to... It's an add-on to what you already do. Yeah. Another service that you can add. And it means that the job leaves perfect as well. You're not putting something in coilers and it's now 60 mil lower and the toes a million miles out and it's going to shred the tires off in no time yeah whereas now you can do it set it up and get it perfect but yeah down the line at some stage we'll we'll invest in a dyno i'm sure at some stage it sounds fun the business as a whole would chassis stroke suspension work be one of the main things that's that's what i enjoy the most yeah because it's one thing you know you can have all the power of the day and not be able to put it down properly the suspension setup more so because i've always just enjoyed tinkering with things and setting them up and seeing them set up right do you have an eye for detail though you know the wee tiny things that you like that it's those wee like minute adjustments that make such a big difference that you'd enjoy i would say yeah which is part of the the other thing too of running the business like this is you want to be enthusiast in it you know and you've kind of surrounded yourself with workers who are car enthusiasts as opposed to general mechanics or someone who get into it just to make money sort of thing yeah absolutely um yeah just having something set up right makes makes all the difference Power is nothing without control. Yeah. Not the Prelly advert? Possibly. Yeah, I'm not old is. enough to remember that. I think one. it is. Well, I am. <laughs> I am, believe me. There's something about Carl Lewis and he had tire grips on the bottom of his trainers and the ad read Power is nothing without control. Carl Lewis is a 100 meter sprinter, by the way, kids. I was going to say I didn't know him. <laughs> I'm fat. I don't know any sprinters. <laughs> well, we'll wrap it up there, Gavin. Thanks very much for that. It was a really enjoyable insight into the business and some obscure vehicle history as well. Yeah, no problem. Nigel, do you want to take us out? Yeah, just before we go, Gavin, thanks again. Um, do you want to shout out your social social details, your address, all that sort of carry on? Yes, yeah, so the the business page, uh, Facebook page is Blackline Performance and Audio. Instagram is at Blackline underscore performance. And my own personal one is at Gav underscore Blackline. So we'll leave it there. Um, thanks again for everybody for listening. And you can find us on our social media pages uh, at Reload Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And individually, we can be found at Maxwell House 46. And I'm at Connor McCann. And I'm at V Dubboy. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah, share the page, tag us in it. We'll always reshare it. And you'll hear from us again next time down at the Icon Center with Jim Canagrid. Yep, Ken Block will be hugging us. Excellent. COVID all the way. Two meters. (laughs) He's got long arms. (laughs) Cheers, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.